All right. Hello and welcome just to families giving you something to talk about or just a live TV as I like to call it. I am your host, Melissa Crutchler. I'm an identity coach, spiritual teacher, business mentor, creator and founder of Just Alive TV, but also the Women Sporting Women Can Network. Today we are going to be talking about something absolutely amazing, epic, something that we haven't talked about enough on this show, and that is women and money. Women and money. What is your money story? What does society say about women and money and how we can, you know, just say, you know, I'm, I was going to do the big F you, but let's, let's say F you to women and money, because I think that there's too many stereotypes. Anyway, today's episode has been sponsored by Femvestors Global, which happens to be owned and operated by our very own Pauline Kirk. So they are offering you a free 30 minute call to learn how they can support you in becoming financially fabulous. And anyone who registers will also get an additional bonus. So go and check that out link in the description. If you would like to connect with either myself or Pauline, you can do so at any point in time. Links are in the description of this episode. And we are always here and welcome to chat. So Pauline, would you like to introduce yourself? Oh, thank you, Melissa. I'm so blessed and honored to be here today. And it's such a fundamental day because today it's Women's Equality Day. In 1920, women got the right to vote. So I think this is a great time to talk about our money stories, to talk about the taboo subjects that have been out there for so long. So there's lots of other taboo subjects, but women and money is a fundamental subject that a lot of people are really concerned about. And we should be. We look at the statistics today, and unfortunately in 2022, they are not where they need to be. The reality is that one in five working women today will retire with nothing. That's right, one in five working women today will retire with nothing. We earn 80 cents on the dollar compared to a man. And I'm not someone who's a, a feminist by any stretch, but I believe in equality. And if that makes me a feminist because I believe in equality, then I'm a feminist. The other part I wanna really wanna raise, and this is more prevalent today, is that unfortunately in today's society, one in three women are victims of domestic violence in their home. And when we are in victims of domestic violence, that sometimes makes it harder to change our environment because we're stuck in relationships where we are being controlled by money and we can't get out of that situation because we don't have anywhere to go. And are we supported? And the other crucial fact today is that unfortunately, woman and homelessness is the fastest growing category out there. So this is why I'm so passionate about money. This is why I've been making it such a prevalent topic in everything that we do because of the stories that we are, that we experience in our own lives and those generational stories that are up here between our ears is because much of our money stories come from our environment and our parents. Yeah. So unfortunately that's, you know, our, we love our parents a bit, but we've got these presidented um, gremlins, if you like, in our minds that hold us back because we believe that we're not worthy. We believe, you know, we're not uh, entitled to money. And we believe that there's certain stories that we carry. And I'm certainly one of those people as well throughout the years who had these beliefs that I was not worthy of money. And that is not the case. I mean, we see it today all the time in our careers. If you're working, how often do we talk about, did we get a bonus? How much bonus did you get versus what bonus did I get? How much are you being paid versus what I'm being paid? We don't talk about it. It's such a taboo subject and it shouldn't be. We should be know that we're getting equal pay for equal work. 
And most times now it's shown that women will do 10% more work. We go over and above to get a seat at the table. We're held back in a lot of ways in big major financial institutions, or we're held back in our corporate lives because you know we're, we're not set up for success. So we need to own our success. We have to take ownership of who we are. And that's up to us. That is not up to the government. That's not up to the corporation that we work for. That is up to each and every single one of us to the be the beacon of light in our homes, to be the beacon of light in ourselves, to be the beacon of light for our children, to be the beacon of light for generational change. And this is why I'm so passionate about talking about money because I wasn't always this passionate. I had a real bad experience with money for many, many years. I had emotional spending um, to make myself feel better. I used to go out and spend lots of money on credit cards. I suffered from PTSD when I was in the military. And to make myself feel better, I'd actually go out and spend money all the time on my credit card, which gave me this lift that made me excited. And then it's like a drug, right? It lasts five minutes and then you feel flat and defaded again. And then you pick yourself up to go shopping again to make yourself feel good. And then again, you feel flat and deflated. And the same thing, and it becomes a repetition. And the next thing you know, the bills are piling in and the red letters are coming through and the knocks at the door and you're starting to avoid the phone. And I had my one point in my life, literally mail after mail after mail. So before, you know, email was a big thing, right? We used to get all the mail in the door and it just literally would weigh down the top of my duvet. And I'd actually climb in onto my duvet under the weight, the sheer weight of all the debt that I was carrying. And to give you an idea, I had 10 credit cards. I'd take one credit card, I'd max it out. I'd get another credit card, I'd max it out. So the way I got around that was actually putting my credit card in the freezer because then I knew that I needed it for emergency, but then I'd actually have it stashed in the freezer because then I knew that I needed it if it was there, but then I'd have to defrost my credit card to actually go and spend it. So that was something that I had to do. And the, the issue is today that everything's on our mobile phone. Everyone's, every, every mobile phone is right next to us now. And we're using our phones to scan things. We're not even taking out a wallet anymore. It's taken out our purse anymore. We're just going tap, tap, tap. And next thing you know, all the bills start piling through. So it's becoming more electronic. And unfortunately, because of COVID, Everyone's saying we don't have cash anymore. We want to put everything on our credit card because we don't want to touch money. So everything's gone on our credit card. So we're actually not really realizing how much we are actually spending. Mm -hmm. So I love all of that. Um, I was just writing down some points. So feminists, um, we did an episode on feminism uh, a few last month. I think we did an episode on feminism and feminist feminism has become a dirty word. It has become an insult, right? Oh, you're just a feminist. And that's because feminism today has become aggress aggression. It has become domination. It is, instead of it being about women's equality and women's rights to be equals, um, it's become, no, I wanna dominate you the way you've dominated me. And I think that goes hand in hand with a lot of the corporate careers. Women who are in corporate positions and are, or not even just corporate corporate positions. Today, I watched a TikTok today, and I think it was, I always see the perfect TikToks for whatever episode is coming up. Today, I watched a, a TikTok or a Facebook reel, and it was a lady who was in um, Alberta, Northern Alberta, and she was talking about, you don't need to call your husband and tell your husband, ask your husband if I'm at work. 
you don't need to be, I'm not a threat to you, right? And you would have the oil field wives calling their husbands, trying to find out if the female employee was at work because the women were feeling threatened. And it's like, why? They are just as entitled, just as, why, why wouldn't they be there? If that's the career they choose, why wouldn't they be there, right? And equality. If, you know, my husband goes to work, why am I not threatened by all the men that are going to work? Right? It makes sense. Um, but corporate society tells us that women feel, even in coaching, even CEOs and entrepreneurs, we don't feel worthy of money. That's one of our issues. Secondly, predominantly women are more shopaholics than men. And we have to fight harder to, for our positions, for those promotions and those bonuses. And we almost have to jump into a more masculine persona to achieve that. And that's not okay. Um, I'm all about equality. And I think equality is just literally that equal rights for everybody. Yeah, I totally agree, Melissa. And it's interesting, the World Economic Forum actually produced an article this week, and it says that equality is actually going to take us another 132 years. Right. I'm actually not going to be alive to see it. And that's a really sad thing. And this is why I'm pushing, um, you know, in terms of just you know, putting our hands up more. And, you know, as I said, we've got to control our own narrative. We can't let society dictate our narrative. I've given you some of the statistics that we're looking at. And that's up down to each and every single one of us to do something different that's within our control. Yep. Yes, there are things we can't control, but there are a lot of things that are in our control. And some of those things are something so simple as there's a role coming up and I really want to apply for it. I'm going to put my hand up and go, you know what? I'm going to have a go at that. And unfortunately, if we don't tick the box in every single job description, those times that, uh, that like most women will go, actually, I don't, I don't have that one line item or that one bullet point. I'm not going to go and apply for that role. Where in contrary, a lot of men will go, yeah, roughly I can do that. Yeah, about 50%. And I'm just going to go, you know, what? I'm just going to have a crack. And I'm just going to put my, put my CV in or put my hand up. And that's the difference. We don't actually help ourselves. And, you know, and this is, and this is a sad thing, right, where we haven't, uh, championed ourselves but we also haven't championed ourselves as women either you know it's great to see today that we're seeing a lot more women helping women that wasn't my experience in corporate life at all if even if I just even go back 10 years ago it was never it was always a case of there was only one ever seat at the table and we were all fighting between us it was bad enough being in a man's environment let's be honest because I was coming from a mining background or a military background so I've been in very male-dominated environments and there is only that one seat for a woman, like a token woman to, you know, tick the box. And we're all fighting as women to try and get that seat. It was hard enough trying to fight in that male environment to get a seat at the table, never mind women not supporting women, because all of us want that one position. Yep. And we're starting to see a lot more inclusion now in terms of the fact that we are helping each other a lot more, which we, was never my experience in the past. Yep. So things are slowly changing. Um, but as I say, 132 years is before we're going to get equality according to the World Economic Forum. Well, look at 1920, right? It's been 100 and, you know, 101 years since we were allowed to vote. That is a huge leap. But again, we had to fight for that. And I think that I told my husband once that I needed to be the empress of the world because I just, I want equality for everybody. I want it, you know, everything to just be equal and, and peaceful, right? Uh, we're going to be doing an episode later on about building peace, creating peace, right? By understanding what conflict is. 
part of that goes hand in hand with this is we're not in competition. You said that, you know, now we have women supporting women. I literally created an entire platform called the Women Supporting Women Can Network. And it's a resource group where women pay a monthly fee. They come in, they're with other women, they get to make friendships, they get to, you know, have resources and whatever aspect they need it in and just really build on that. And I find that social media, social media and society, right? We're still attacking each other constantly. You look at, you look at this show. So this show is all about helping people be better. It's all about self-development, personal development, self-love, overcoming our struggles, our inspiration, giving people something to talk about so that they're happy, healthier, and more loving. And you look at my show and while it hasn't gone viral yet, you look at somebody who their first TikTok is all about something really negative or they're attacking somebody else and you've got thousands of comments either for support or or not and these people are going viral for really negative things it's like we were taught at a certain age if you don't have anything nice to say don't say anything at all where did that go Exactly. And unfortunately, social media has made it quite easy. We can hide behind social media. We don't have to show our picture in our face and a lot of our lives are exposed now. And, and, you know, there aren't a lot of people out there who are champions of what we do because it makes them feel better by making us feel really bad. And that's unfortunately a lot of society, you know, what we see today. And this is where, you know, you can easily hide behind social media, turn the camera off, create a fake account and put some hard, you know, nasty comments that, you know, unfortunately stay up here for a very long time. And most of us that read comments, we, we ignore the hundred good comments. We focus on the one that's bad. And that, that makes us feel a certain way because we are surrounded by media that's negative. I mean, how often do you turn the news and it's got a really happy story on it? It's not. We're surrounded by negativity every day. And, and the media knows how to play on that. You know, and that's what they do. They take advantage of it because as they say, if it bleeds, it leads. And, you know, and that's what they do. They literally home in on all the negativity. And at the moment we are in, you know, our society as a whole is in living in fear right now. And we need to come out of that and say, you know what? No more. We don't need to be living in fear. We are in a time where we can actually do a lot of great things. We know that we can work from home successfully. We were told before COVID that we could not work from home. And now we've seen that we can work from home and it works. So do we need to go into the office every single day just to say, hey, I'm here, um, you know, and is that going to cost me in terms of a promotion because I'm not visible in front of my boss because I'm working from home because I've got lots of other things in my private life going on with, you know, kids and, you know, and homework, you know, home chores I need to do and things like that, as opposed to, you know, being in the office, being physical and present every single well, day to keep my boss happy. That's the other one too, though, is why is it, so we're talking about women and money, right? Why is it that, you know, we get stuck with the men or, or our husbands or our partners being the ones that are, you know, bringing in the income or we have to, or we're, we stay home, we raise the kids, we do all this. And then our husbands are the breadwinners, right? Sorry, I realized it's pretty dark in here. Um, and then our husbands are the breadwinners. And so now you've got 
you know, stay at home moms, which is great. I was a stay at home mom for about 10 years while my husband worked because he was, he had the potential to make more money than I would. Right. And for our family, we needed more of an income where if I went to work, there would have been daycare fees. There would have been more travel expenses there. It all would have, we had, would have had to pay everybody to do what I was doing at home, which that makes sense. Right. But if you have two partners, let's say a husband and wife, no gender specific, but a husband and wife, because that's your atypical, right? And the wife is, is, is more knowledgeable, right? If the wife is somebody who has more level of education, would, would have a higher income by going to work, the, why not that, right? Why not? You, you're now seeing more stay-at-home dads um you're now seeing you know uh my husband and I we've been together 15 years we have joint accounts because it's our money right I put in what I make he puts in what he makes and we do what we need to do right I don't have to ask permission to do anything but we do discuss it because that is a mutual respect of hey you know we have this much money I'd really like to do this what are your thoughts on it right like let's brainstorm that's different but when you have, like you were saying about domestic violence, now you have, we're in 2022. Why is it that, you know, uh, one partner is taking over all the money responsibilities? Now, if they're better at it, if that's, you know, their responsibility, if you've agreed to it, totally fine, right? But women have a right to make their own money. Women have a right to save their own money. Women have a right, an equal right to go out and buy a toy if they want a toy, right? We yeah, need exactly. working on that. Look how many coaches, CEOs, entrepreneurs. So I'm a coach um, and I know many, many coaches in the, in the coaching sphere. How many of them, how many business coaches are teaching you to charge your worth? And how hard is that, right? There are people like me who I'm like, well, but I don't want to charge a lot of money. Like, I just want to charge enough that I feel comfortable. I don't want to, I don't want to charge like a ton of money. But then you have people who are like charging, undercharging themselves, undervaluing themselves completely and basically giving away themselves for free when they need to be bringing in money. They have children to support. They have, you know, habits they want to continue, a lifestyle that they dream of. But you have to fight their mindset. You have to fight their, their, what society's told them that they're not allowed to have money. They're not allowed to charge high rates. I remember when I first started coaching about six, seven years ago, I was a spiritual teacher. I was doing readings. That's how I started was doing uh, intuitive card readings. And I would get questioned all the time. Why are you charging? Shouldn't you be doing this for free? I'm like, no, why wouldn't I charge for my time? Yeah. I mean, time is our most precious asset, right? We can't get it back. And people forget that. And a lot of time you make some really good points, Melissa. A lot of time that we forget our worth. We we do. We we don't value ourselves enough to go, right, I'm gonna put I'm gonna pay this amount of money, I'm gonna charge this amount of money because it feels right. And a lot of the time we put a number down and go, that doesn't feel like and I drop it. 
but we need to change up here our mindset to go you know what i'm worth every single cent and you're going to get so much value out of me and they're going to sit there and go why are you so cheap you should be raising your prices even more but that comes from up here in between our ears and i always say that there is two voices in our heads right we've got the I call my mother, my gremlin, she has a name, her name's Nancy, and I have my alter ego, and my alter ego also has a name, so like anyone who's listening, if we always have those inner voices, I want you to name them, so I want you to have two names for your inner voices, so you have your, your I call my, my gremlin Nancy, like I said, and my I've got my alter ego, my alter ego is called Avalanche Rose, because no matter what, winter is around, I always, always flourish, so that's why I've nicknamed my alter ego, Avalanche Rose, so Unfortunately, Nancy never goes away out of her mind. She, I always say that, you know, everyone says quieten down the voice. I always turn around and say that Nancy's escaped from prison out of my mind for the weekend and she needs to get back in the box. She needs to get back in that prison cell and my alter ego has to put her back in that prison cell. So if you haven't had an opportunity to think about your inner voices, because one constantly is louder than the other and generally it's not the positive one, let's be honest. We need to have that in that other alter ego telling us, no, I've got this. Avalanche Rose, how are you going to nail this today? You need, what are you going to do? What makes you the superhero of your life? And nail it. And that's the way that we need to approach it because we can control the narrative in our head, but we can't control society's narrative, but we can control our own. And that's the most important point. And um, you make another good point, Melissa, about, you know, um, you know, women predominantly being responsible for, uh, for you know, being the caregivers in their home. You know, it could be older parents, could also be children as well. The reality is that our, our work environments aren't setting us up to put ourselves out there to enable us to earn more money because we are being held back. The cost of childcare is ridiculous. You've got to sit there and weigh up bone. Is it worth me going to work or do I need to pay the childcare cost to go, actually, it's net effect. I might as well spend time with my child. So work and organizations need to provide some environment for us, enable us to get on and get ahead of ourselves because we also generally are the caregivers as women. I'm, I'm being very stereotypical here, but that's the reality of the situation for many of us right now. And this is the good thing about working from home. We've had been able to get more work done. Um, you know, we've put in a lot more hours, but at the same time we can multitask. Women are great at multitasking as we all know. So why, you know, why should we have to go back in the office? Because I actually get more work done working from home because I can sort my kids out. I can put them to bed and read them a bedtime story. I don't have the commute anymore. My kids get a good quality of life. I get more time to myself because I'm not traveling and I'm more engaged because I'm actually just looking at a screen rather than rushing around going from meeting to meeting to meeting and you know and those sorts of yeah. things that we used to have to do. So there are certain things that organizations and multinational companies, employers need to do to allow us to get ahead so we can actually earn more money. And if we're entrepreneur space, you know, that's, you know, many, many women today have actually said, you know what, I'm getting out of corporate life because I'm going to be an entrepreneur because I get the time and the freedom and the flexibility to do what I want to do, which then allows me to earn more income for me and my family. And the as opposed to yeah. The amount of work that goes into being an entrepreneur for anybody watching, if you're an entrepreneur or not an entrepreneur, you know, or you should know that being an entrepreneur is not easy. There are, you know, I have six businesses. Now, while all of them aren't all the time attention, it's, you know, I'm constantly thinking of them, right? If I'm in the middle of dinner and I get inspired that I need to add something, I have to write it down or I have to go and do it to make sure that I'm getting that done. Um, it's not all just flexibility. Yes, I can leave my work. I'm taking holidays next week. While I'm not doing the show for a week, 
I'm still doing back end stuff, right? Because I'm choosing to, but I have other things planned in for that week that, you know, I'm emptying out my daughter's rooms, going through them, making sure we throw stuff out because school's starting next uh, in two weeks. So just getting all of that stuff done, right? Um, but yeah, just getting that stuff done, right? It, it's not easy being an entrepreneur. One of the things I wanted to mention was about, um, what is it called? Our money mindset, right? So we've got society saying, oh, you have to be barefoot, pregnant, and in the kitchen as a woman. Uh, we have the money mindset that we have to act like men in order to make money and to gain money, that we have to, um, you know, let our husbands or our partners control all of our money, that we're not entitled to make money, that our self-worth and money are totally different things. There's so much going on in money mindsets that we need to just reteach ourselves. Okay. So for anybody watching, one of the things I want to ask you is think about your money mindset. Somebody mentioned on the show once, if you could imagine that your money, your financial status was like a relationship. So your partner, uh, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever that looks like, how would you describe your relationship with money? What kind of relationship do you have? And what does that tell you about your money mindset? Are you constantly living paycheck to paycheck? Are you not in control of your own finances? Are you in complete control of the finances? Are you charging what you feel comfortable with? Start asking yourself and feeling out those questions, feeling out what your body, what your mind, what your intuition and gut are telling you about those answers. And then start there with the money mindset and ask yourself, in six, six months, a year, five years, where do you want to be? What does that look like? What does that look like for you? You were talking about alter egos, right? Look at Beyonce and Sasha Fierce, right? We all have those ideals of, okay, I can't be that way, but I'm going to create an alter ego that is everything I want her to be. You are still that person. What do you want her to look like? And how can you start working on that yourself now to create that, that money mindset of, you know, if, if fabulously, financially fabulous, right? As Pauline says, because I want to be the next Oprah Winfrey. I want my mansion. I want my vacation home. I want, you know, I want certain things. I want to give my children the lifestyle that I envision. And it's going to be me that does that. Either I'm going to win the damn lottery or I'm going to make enough money to do it. There's a, there's a couple of things I want to raise there, Melissa. And I love the fact that you talk about the fact that you want a mansion and you want these amazing things because most women don't talk about those things, right? We, we play small. We shouldn't be playing small. We should just own it. Whatever we want, just own it. Yeah. And that's what I love about this conversation. Whatever you want, it's all up here. And like I keep saying, your alter ego and your gremlin will will make you, what's between your ears will make you successful. And your version of success is different to everyone else. So what is your version of success? What is your version of how much money is it gonna take for you to be happy? And we don't think about those things. And there's some things that we can do very quickly. Now, one of the things we can do very quickly is find a mentor. Find and surround yourself with people who think like you in terms of when it comes to their money. If you're hanging out with broke friends who are spending um, way extreme credit cards every single weekend at the mall, they're not going to help you get to where you want to go. So you need to look at who your circle of influence is. And it's really important that, as they say, 
you are the sixth person of who you spend most time with out of your five friends. So look at who you're spending time with because who you spend time with is who you become. So something so simple, as I said, look at your circle of influence, look at people who have already been there and done that in terms of then, right, I want to be that person. I want to be on these goals. This is where I want to head. Start mimicking and following them and look at where you are in social media. What are you spending time with on every single day? When you look at social media, are you looking at shopping or are you looking at people that inspire you, make you want to do better and be more, have more, contribute more, whatever that looks like for you. So some of the things that I've had to do is sit there and go, right, what is it that I want? Most of all, most of us don't even think about what is it that we want. We talk about what we don't want, but we actually don't talk about what is it that we actually do want and write those goals down. And you make a really good point, Melissa, about, you know, being five, 10, you know, six years down the line. The reality is I want to ask you right now, what is it that you want in the next six months? Well, that's what you want in the next, yeah, what do you want in the next 12 months? So, you know, sometimes we have these massive goals that go, oh my God, they're so far away. But I always say, you know, shoot for the moon and aim for the stars and then work backwards. So what, what is it that you want in the next six to 12 months? Let's just start there first and then have a roadmap to go, right, this is ultimately what I want in the future. And ladies, we own it. We deserve it. We're worthy of it. So take it. We only have one shot at life. So own it. Take, take, take it now. This is your time to be whatever you want to be. This is your time to do what is it that you want to do, not what anyone else says to you. And this is your time to take control of your money situation. So the other part I want to raise is, Melissa, I know it's great that you have a joint bank account. I always tell a lot of my clients and my friends that that's great to an extent, but you also need to have your contingency plan, whatever happens, whatever goes wrong for you, you need to have a way out of a situation. So I always say that you need to have an account in your own name with your own money in it. And basically that's your, whatever it is for you, some people call it an emergency fund. Some people call it a fund fund. Some people call it an escape fund. Whatever it is for you, you also need to make sure that not only are you contributing to a joint account, if that's what you've set up with your husband, partner, spouse, but also making sure that you've actually got an account for you that's got your money in that you can spend on what you want, but also it's there for a time as something does happen. As I said, one in three women are victims of domestic violence in their home, that they've actually got an avenue to get out where possible. So it's really important that if we have joint accounts, we also need to have an account in our own name, not in anyone else's name, in our own name. And then also as well, I mean, just for example, me and my husband, we actually have, I actually have four accounts. My husband and I have a joint account for bills. We have a joint account for paying the rent or mortgage. We have a joint account for fun. And then I have my own account. So I actually have four bank accounts um, in my name or joint names with my partner, but it's really important that I have one uh, in my name so I can make some changes if I need to. The other part I want to raise is just around, you know, our ability to earn. Like I said, goes up between the ears. We have an amazing ability to earn. We are more educated than a lot of men when you look at statistics. We, we just need to put our hand up and think about what can I do to earn more money? And that's the first thing, because right now the reality is and we can't save more because everything's getting more expensive. You know, fuel's going up, cost of rent or mortgages going up the food cost of food's going up. So everything's getting more and more expensive now. So we have to think about ways that we can earn more money. Now that could be a case of something so simple as going, right, what is it that I can do to that allows me then to earn a little bit more income? And that needs to be worked through in your mind to go, right, what is it that I need to do? Because that extra $100, $200 a month is going to make a big difference when you start extrapolating it out over maybe 30, 40, 50 years. So we need to think about what that looks like for us. Because I said, our ability to save more being diminished very, very quickly. Yep. So therefore we've got to think about how we can earn more. And 
when it comes to accounts and savings and investing or anything along those lines, find a financial advisor. Um, I know in Canada, especially with investors, I used to work for Investors Group many, many, many moons ago. I worked for Investors Group and being, having a financial advisor is free. There is nothing wrong with talking to even at your bank. Get yourself a financial advisor. Ask them how to go about saving, how to go, what your best options are and go with your gut. Always give yourself at least 24 hours. My trainer at Investors Group said, give yourself 24 hours before you make any large decisions or per purchases to make sure that you're doing what's right for you. Now, one of the things that we were talking about is, you know, who do I want to be later on? This is actually my screensaver. Um, I'll put it close. There we go. Do something today. Oh, it turned off. Do something today that your future self will thank you for. Our actions and decisions today will shape the way we will be living in the future. Now, if you have a dream board, because we've all done dream boards, if you have a dream board and you are like me, you have the mansion and you have the car, you have all of these fun things right in front of you, it doesn't mean that you need to create those right away. It doesn't mean you have to create them right away. Put something on a dream board or a journal or a note. My mother-in-law and father-in-law um, ended up having to uh, evacuate their country or leave their country and go work in a different country with nothing. They had to leave absolutely everything they had accumulated behind and they, and they immigrated. When they did that, they wrote a list both of them sat down and they went through a list together of everything that they wanted that they couldn't afford at that time. And within, in, in the four years that they were in that second country, they got everything on that list, right? If you have a dream board, right? If you have a desk, if you have, you know, when you wake up in the morning on your nightstand or right beside your bed or wherever you are, you know, in your kitchen window or in front of the sink, whatever it is that you're doing, find a place where you can put a pegboard or a whiteboard or a vision board or whatever it is you want to put there. Put your goals, whether that's a word, whether that's a phrase, whether that's a photo of a mansion or that being the next Oprah like me, whatever that looks like, do that and use it as inspiration. A lot of us will look at it and get sad. We can get sad and we can get dejected. When you look at it, if you feel horrible looking at that dream board because you're like, I'm never going to get it or it's taking so long or I don't know when it's going to happen, let yourself feel that for a moment. And then give yourself a virtual slap across the face and say, no, I am going to do something today or even ask yourself, what can I do today to put myself on that path? Whether that is sitting down at your computer and Googling work at home jobs, whether that is going out and putting up flyers, if you, if you want to clean houses to make some extra money, whatever that looks like. What can I do today, whether that's a change of mindset, whether that is getting out of bed, whether that's doing your laundry, whether that's creating a routine, whatever it looks for you, do something today to put yourself on the right path.
That's amazing advice, Melissa. Um, I always, like you said, like one, one thing each day to move the needle. So for me, I'd like to have three goals for the week. Sometimes I get a bit overwhelmed, you know, maybe one, one each day, maybe a bit a lot for some people. So sometimes it's just so simple to go, right, what's, what do I want to achieve? Three things I want to achieve this week and try and keep it simple. As I say, we don't want to eat the whole elephant. We want to chunk it down. So let's chunk it down. So if it's easy for, for you, like Melissa says, you know, just pick that one thing for the day. If it's sometimes like, you know, I haven't got the headspace because I feel a bit overwhelmed, then turn around and say, okay, give me three goals for the week. What three things can you achieve this week that's going to help you move the needle forward? So there's some other things that we can do there as well. And I love, and I love, you know, what you talk about in terms of, you know, financial advisors. We just need to be a bit cautious around the type of financial advisors that we go to because a lot of them aren't operating in our best interest with our money. It, a lot of it is around nothing bad about them, but they're operating for an organization that's got set certain bonus structures based on the information and type of products that they're selling you. So it's really important to understand that you need to look for a fiduciary advisor, which basically means that they're acting in your best interest by law, as opposed to acting in their best interest for their organization. Not saying there's, um, there's some good ones and bad ones, but if you find one that's got a fiduciary standard, that you will make sure then that they're operating in your best interest and they'll give you advice based on what you need. Mm -hmm. So this is why I sort of created Fembesters Global is to help women on this path around getting baffled because again, the finance industry is set up for men. It's not set up for women. We don't understand certain things. We don't understand certain products. We don't understand the language. It's not set up for us to understand it because we haven't been ingrained in that. And let's be honest, most of us, money's not been on the priority list when we've got so many other things going on, such as, you know, careers, businesses, running a household, looking after parents. Money is way down the pecking order of something we're actually thinking about going, right, where am I actually with my money situation and going, right, I'm going to go through my bank statements for the last six months and then go, you know what, am I spending stuff on things I don't need? Like, am I paying for subscriptions that I forgot that I'm still paying for that because I don't look at my accounts? Is there things that you can do right now that go, right, you know, I don't need to pay for that anymore. It doesn't serve me. It's not bringing me joy anymore. It's, yeah, it's there. It's, I'm looking at it once every now and again. So is that something that you can do quite quickly to go, right, I'm just going to pull off three to six months of bank statements and credit card statements and go, wow, I'm paying for these things. I actually didn't even know I was paying for. So there's something so quick that you can do. The other thing that you can quickly do is look at who your providers are for certain utility companies, mortgage companies, things like that. Um, you know, is there an opportunity to do something different? Do we have to stay with those organizations that we're with? Our mobile phone falls into this as well, or our internet access. So is there something that we can do there where we can just pick up the phone? And I know some people are a bit nervous about that, but that phone call can save you maybe in extreme cases, a couple of hundred dollars by going, I'm just going to switch my provider. So that's something else that we can do quite quickly to then go, right, today I'm going to call such and such because I'm paying over the odds or I'm querying a bill. Can you give me a better rate? And sometimes it takes that to go, actually, I'm going to leave you unless you give me a discount because I found this company online and they couldn't offer me this. And therefore, that conversation can allow you to then to earn more money because you're not paying out so much to an organization. There's something else quite simple that you can do that allows you, you know, to basically save more money without doing anything. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and go with your gut, right? Like if you, for, for anybody watching or catching the replay, go with your gut right? You're, if you feel that somebody is working for you, worst case scenario, they end up not working for you and you learn your lesson, right? You learn what the warning signs are. Everything that we do is a lesson. It's a lesson for us to grow, even if it's, you know, negative experiences. I, you know, and you're never too old and never too young to start learning about your finances 
as an individual. I met a uh, individual the other day in their uh, 70s who had never heard of a credit score. Had no idea what it was. And, you know, that's not, I learned new credit stuff this week. I was looking at credit this week and, you know, I even learned new things. I learned new ways. I've learned a ton of different random things in the last week that are going to help me in the long run. And again, it's asking yourself the question, where do I want to be and how can I make sure that I'm doing something to benefit myself down the road? Yeah, a hundred, a thousand percent. And, and, this, and this is a good thing about today's society, Melissa, there's so much information out there for free. So we don't even have to pay for it. You know, for example, I post every day on my social media, just giving out free content. We blog every week and we just push out content every single day that makes women a lot more um, aware around certain things that's happening in the finance industry. You know, so we put out daily content. We put out success habits and tips every single day at no cost. You can just follow us on our social media and then you can see it go, oh, wow. Okay, something so simple as I'm just going to quickly check our post out and it doesn't have to be me. I'd like it to be me, but if it's not me, then follow someone else who inspires you to turn around and say, you know what, I'm going to start following her because she's been there and she's she's done it. And follow someone, they, they say, success leaves clues. I never used to be in that situation. I was filing for bankruptcy, you know, only in my 20s. Um, I was on the verge of filing for bankruptcy and pushing the enter button. Here I am 15 years later, no wonder, no longer worrying about my financial position because I made some smart decisions over a 15 year period. So I've gone from filing for bankruptcy, sleeping on friends' floors, working three jobs, hustling, whatever it took to get me out of my debt situation. Like I mentioned earlier, I was an emotional spender. I suffered from PTSD and I was in a really bad way for a very long time. And I couldn't see a way out in a lot of areas because I was in such a dark place. And I had two choices. I had to take the red pill or the blue pill. And then I had to make a decision with my life to go, you know what, I'm either going to settle for this environment because it serves me, it suits me, it's easy, but also feeling that way, doing nothing is also easy. Or you can sit there and go, you know what, I'm actually going to do something about this situation. I'm actually going to learn from this. I'm actually going to draw my knowledge from this. I know not what to do now. I know what I need to do now. And therefore, then I took myself from going, you know what? I don't want to be associated with the shame and that's really what it was and the guilt of going you know what i was a you know a very senior role in the military and here i am pressing the enter button you know literally like this on the keyboard going wow i'm about to file for bankruptcy and i didn't want to be tarnished with that reputation which is why i chose to do something different so i am a poster child to turn around and say i was in a position where i had 10 credit cards i also if people some people know my story you may not but i also it was in a position where i took on a partner's debt for a house for a property and because I didn't do it once, I did it twice because I, I didn't learn the first time is that I actually took on a partner's business debts as well. So I actually had to pay off a lot of money to get myself out of a situation. And I say I could have sat there. I could still be there now. But I was like, no, nope, I'm not going to settle this. I used my alter ego to say, you know what, I'm not going to quit on this. I'm going to do something about it. And therefore, I chose to make that decision and go, you know what? And this is where I am today. I never thought 15 years ago that I'd be sat here going, you know what, I can get up every single morning. I don't have to go to work in a job that I don't like. I actually get to choose what I want to do every single day. And this is why I'm so passionate and positive and excited and living the best life because I get to do the things that I want to do. And for me, that's just to help more and more people. It's helping women get started in investing. It's helping women understand the basics of finance. Because for me, I've lived those stories. 
I've lived in those money stories for such a long time, Melissa, that you spoke about earlier, that I wasn't worthy, that I was, you know, and I had all these other money stories I used to tell myself that used to play around in my mind. And now here I am today where I get to, you know, play around in the investing world, which is what I've done. And I've learned a lot of lessons along the way. Yes, I've lost money, but I know now what I need to do, which is why yeah. I want to make sure then that women don't go through the same thing and make the silly mistakes. And this is what we're seeing at the moment in the finance industry is people are putting women specifically starting to get into investing, which I think is amazing. But the issue is that psychologically, we're not geared up to manage our emotions because now things in the stock markets aren't so great. They're in red. And now suddenly a lot of us are panicking going, oh, my God, I don't know how to manage my emotions because you're not taught that. You just said, hey, this is what you should invest in. So people start investing. And then suddenly now when the, when the market goes red, people start panicking. Now, one thing I want to say to you is, ladies, when you see red tags on bags, shoes and clothes, when you go shopping, it's on discount. If you know exactly what you've bought into and the stock markets are in red, it's also on sale. But we don't think that way because the industry hasn't geared us up to think that way. So, ladies, when you see the red in the stock markets and you know exactly why the one re ultimate reason why you bought that in the first place and it still remains, then that's the reason you go, you know what, I'm going to buy some more of it because it's on sale, not, oh my God, I'm going to lose my house and the world's ending. And that's con yeah. that's constantly what we see coming through from a lot of our clients. As a, as a financial advisor, we'd see that all the time. People would see the start, stock market going down and it's like people would start to sell and it's like what goes down must come up, right? And it's we used to always tell our clients, just wait it out, just wait it out. Look at the recession, look at the oil and gas industry, how low oil went and then how high it went back up, right? When you're on the red, that's usually the time to buy something, right? When it's discounted, you don't want to buy full stock from Microsoft. Well, wait until they go down and then buy some, right? Um, and it's, it's a huge adjustment period and, and it is mental though, right? Because as soon as the stock market starts to go down, we do tend to panic. And I think that's women, men, everybody, you tend to panic because you're like, I'm losing money. You're only losing money if you sell it at that time. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's a paper loss, right? Like you say, until you close the position that you're in, then you, then it's a real, then it's a real loss. Until then, it's just on paper. And on paper, the best thing to do is remove the apps off your phone because I see it all the time that people are checking every five minutes going, because we're in this culture now of everything's at our fingertips. Just turn it off because if you keep looking at it every day, you make different decisions. So stop staring at it. Best thing to do is turn it off the phone. Go back three months time and you'll see it's a very different environment. So, so that's the first thing I always say is get off the phone, but also understand the data that supports it. Like you said, stock markets, it's already gone down, it's gone back up. I take my, my clients through charts since 1870 to, to 2021, and it shows them that over time, no matter what's happened, the stock market always recovers. And if we do nothing, we will always come back into green again, as long as we know exactly what we're invested in. Obviously, there's exceptions like Enron and Lehman Brothers and all these other large organizations who don't exist anymore. But if we buy like an index fund, which is like a group of companies. Um, so, for example, you talk about the S&P 500 in America, the top 500 U.S. companies like McDonald's, Amazon, Facebook, Google Alphabet, big brand names that you know at home. The likelihood of the fact of you know, something happening there is quite slim when you're looking at a group and a basket of companies where if you buy one stock, my golden rule is no more than 5% of your total portfolio in one single stock because you can afford to lose that. So don't go all in because you make down 
down the pub or someone at a barbecue said, hey, this is a hot tip and you go out and put 100% of your money in it. And then suddenly you find out that it didn't work out that way because the hot tip wasn't so hot. And therefore, then you need to think about how you manage that. So I say golden rule, no more than 5% into one individual stock. But easiest way if you're ever getting started in investing, and I've just got a quote here, I'm not a financial advisor, I'm going purely off experience, is to look at index funds such as the S&P 500 and then go, right, top 500 companies in the US, I'm going to invest in an index fund that follows the S&P 500 and there's plenty of choose from. And therefore, on that basis, I'm going to invest in that because I know that I'm carrying the weight of 500 companies on that one price, that one index fund that I purchased. So that's something to always consider. If you're starting out, don't always just go out and buy stocks. Look at ways of looking at index funds to get started and then start navigating into the stock market and buying individual stocks. But always buy something that you understand. So lots of people today talk to me about crypto, for example. Yes, I got into crypto in 2017. I'm still in crypto in 2022 and I have no plan on selling it. Yes, it's making me money, but I haven't cashed it out. So it's just growing. And I just keep dollar cost averaging, which means I just keep putting in a little bit every so often and watching it grow over time. Now, the reality is that if you risk to tolerance, so if your risk is, means that, you, in other words, can you sleep at night? Because the crypto market doesn't sleep, it's 24-7. So, for example, if you're in the crypto market and it doesn't sleep 24-7 and you're worried about losing $20, the crypto market is not for you. You need to understand who you are as an individual and manage your emotions around your risk. Because if you do not know how to do that, that's when you tend to lose a lot of money. So I've got clients and friends who are like, I don't like the stock market because I don't understand it. I want to buy property. And they'd rather be in the property game, physical property. You can buy also what they call REITs, which means you can buy um, the stock market equivalent of property. But the reality is they want to own physical property. And I say, that's great. Then, you know, and they want to save up for a house. I say, is that society saying you want a house or is that saying that you want a house? Because the reality is I only ever rented. It might sound a bit crazy, but I've only ever rented. I never lived in anything I've actually owned. So this is the interesting thing is that when I got into property, in actual physical property, everyone got caught up around, around me or my friends around me. Going, I need to have this big house. It's going to be somewhere I'm going to stay. It's going to be this. And then it was just like money, 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 money the whole time. I was just like, I'm just going to buy a one bedroom apartment in the city that I'm going to rent out because I'm on the property ladder and I'm not paying a huge amount of money for it. And I know that I could rent it out. So that's what I did to get into the property market was just to buy one, one bedroom unit um, in the CBD. And that, that literally was my entryway into the property market, as opposed to I need to save all this money to buy my dream home because I'm in my 20s or my 30s because society is telling me I need to have a dream for home in my 20s and 30s. And the reality is it goes back to goals, right? If your goal is to travel the world, why do you want to spend this money on this big, massive house? When, when, you know, when you say to me in the next breath, but I really want to travel the world and I just want to keep traveling. So your goals need to align around what is it that you want out of your life too. And sometimes we forget that. Society says we need to have a house and we need to own it and it needs to be this and this and this because that's what my friends have got. And I'm constantly comparing myself to go, actually, I don't need to do what everyone else is doing. So I've been a rent vester for most of my life, which basically means... I, I'm an investor, but I buy property to rent out and I rent myself. That's pretty neat. I like that. Lots of smart tips in this episode. Lots of smart tips. Speaking of, is there anything else you'd like to add on this episode before we get going? Yeah, I mean, I say, ladies, you need to own who you are. You need to own your self-worth because you are a rock star. 
you are this amazing, awesome, incredible woman and never let anyone tell you differently. So now we need to think monetary terms in terms of being that fabulous, awesome, amazing woman that we are in terms of our finances. So it's all up in between our ears. We don't let anyone dictate who we are. We don't dim our glow, as I say. So these are the say some of the tips I brought up today. Go back and watch the recording and, and listen to what we've said and take some notes around what we said. Because those little one actions, those little two millimeter shifts become bigger shifts over time. So that one little thing that you make a decision on today, even if you just took one thing away from today's episode, make it happen and then go back and go, right, well, I've done that now. I've actually gone through and looked at my six months worth of bank accounts and gone, right, you know, I've made some changes. I've actually picked up the phone to this utility company or my mobile phone company and got myself a discount. I've actually sat there and understood exactly what is it that I need to say because this is my goal for the future. I've actually got clarity around what is it that I actually want um, as opposed to what I don't want. So spend time understanding what is it that you actually want and have those conversations. And if you're in a relationship, please, please, please make the time, have financial date nights, as I call it, with your partner to then sit down and have money conversations around what is it that you both want out of your life in terms of career and goals, kids, how's it going to work? Are you putting in this bit? Am I putting in this bit? Um, I don't earn as much as you do. So therefore, then how can we make sure this is going to work for us and have those conversations at least once a month? So make it a thing that you have a date night with your partner at least once a month. And then at least then you can have those conversations. And then we don't have to wait until we have those massive blocks and arguments about our financial situation because we're already having monthly conversations or fortnightly conversations. So we don't get to that point. Yep. The biggest takeaway is money touches every part of our life, every part, whether it be in our careers, whether it be in our businesses, whether it be in our relationships, whether it comes to our health and being able to provide healthcare and private healthcare, it touches every facet of our life. So we have to make it a priority. So ladies, make money a priority. Make it not taboo, which is what I'm trying to do, which is my mission, is to talk about it. So please talk about your money stories. And remember, it's a story because you allow it to be a story. It doesn't have to be a new story. It's an old story. It's an old habit that you have. Up here, your alter ego can shift that story into the narrative that you want to decide for your life. So you make a decision. Take the time. Because we only have one choice. We only have one life. So make, make the time. Take that one decision that's going to make you the most amazing, awesome, financially fabulous woman out there. Thank you. And remember that whatever your financially fabulous looks like is okay for you. If you want to be making bare minimum with just a little bit of savings, then do it. If you want the big mansion, do it. Whatever it is that you want to do, make those efforts and know that it doesn't matter what society says. It doesn't matter what anybody else says. Your life goals are your own and they have to come from you. So definitely check in with yourself. Thank you, Pauline, for joining me today. Thanks, Melissa. It's been amazing. Um, I, I say I've loved the session. So thank you for having me. It's a blessing and an honor. Thank you so much. Absolutely. All right, just a family, women and money. That has been your episode today. 
make sure that you go and get a free session with Pauline uh, to learn about your money and how you can be financially fabulous. Plus she's got a you know, special little bonus for you. So go and click that link, get in with her for a 30 minute session. Um, if you want to connect with either myself or Pauline, you can do so. Our links are in the description as always like follow and share the show. I hope you enjoyed our late night, early morning, depending on where you are episode today. And I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful weekend or whenever it is that you're watching. Like, follow, and share the show. Join our newsletter. If you'd like to be a guest speaker or if you'd like to see a topic featured, please reach out to slivetv.com. I'm your host, Melissa Kretschler. 